Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm very happy you joined us on our episode today. We're in a new series from the book of Titus in the New Testament called Living Counterculture. So if you have a Bible handy, open it to the book of Titus, or maybe look it up on Bible Gateway. You can find it there. And even if you don't have a Bible handy, we're glad you joined us, and we'll be reading the scripture that uh, we'll be looking at today. So today's episode, I'm so excited about it, Living Counterculture, Stone Cold Leaders. Listen, Living counterculture, what does that mean? Well, let me bring you up to speed. Western civilization, and America for sure, had a Judeo-Christian worldview. That means a biblical way of looking at everything that has to do with life. It was a prevailing understanding of everything in the world. Well, somewhere along the way, on our force march to the Marxist revolution, we lost that foundation. Now, for a while, for a few decades, we've gotten by living off what Francis Schaeffer called a Christian memory. In other words, our, our culture said, well, God may be dead, but we still like the rules that provide for a nice, safe culture. So we continue to use the guardrails of the Christian worldview to hold things together, you know, to make our culture and our country and Western civilization work. But now we're at the end game. There is now a huge chunk of the world in America that no longer even have a, a Christian memory. The culture is it's like an 18-wheeler in the Great Smoky Mountains. It's a runaway truck with no guardrails. It's like a sinking cruise ship with no lifeboats. It's like an air cavalry army regiment surrounded by a North Vietnamese army division. Where we're at is this. It's take the next runaway truck ramp and pray that we stop. It's all hands on deck. Prepare to abandon ship. It's gentlemen, prepare to defend yourself, as spoken by Command Sergeant Major Basil Plumley in We Were Soldiers Once, played by the great actor Sam Elliott. That's where we are. So now, modern churches are told you can't meet you can't preach the Bible, you can't evangelize, and you dare not disagree with tyrannical government. Now, biblical Christians and churches will never obey that. So we're now counterculture. From the old TV show, Get Smart, Maxwell Smart would say, and loving it. <laughs> we do love it. We love being counterculture. So for all of you Marxist revolutionaries out there and Tifa types and all of that and all the craziness going on, we realize what's happening and Jesus will help us through it. We ain't scared. 
Absolutely not. Plus, the churches are surrounded by more and more paganism, just like the churches on the island of Crete, where Titus was left by the Apostle Paul to try to organize those churches and help them grow stronger. The Crete churches needed, and modern biblical churches need, stone-cold leaders. Now, who are they? Well, they're pastors that lead the faith family and shepherd the flock. Now, why are they needed? Well, the churches back then and now face trials and trouble. You see, this world is it's no friend of God's family. Somebody said it's no friend of grace. And just like right now in the world, Christians and biblical churches are having to really stand up for what they believe and who they believe in and who they are. But the temptation is there's a danger of giving in instead of growing up. Now I want to say to those of you involved, maybe not even knowingly, but I want to say to those of you who are involved in churches that long ago left the Bible, and that's most churches. Say, but they still read the Bible in all those churches. But let me tell you what, they don't cut it straight. They don't deliver the message God gave like a good waiter hot from the kitchen. They water it down, they explain it away, and they are not holding forth the word of truth. And that's most churches. They surrendered. But I'm speaking today to the Christians who care and the churches who care, who want to be what the Lord Jesus Christ would have you be in this age. Now, Titus, you know, thinking about his assignment, you could easily describe the churches that he inherited that Paul left him there to work with as the wild bunch. I mean, that would accurately describe the people that Paul had to work with. And he would need lots of scripturally qualified helpers fast. These new churches, they talked a good game, but they did not play by the rules. Pretty much like now. I mean, that describes most churches. I am constantly shocked. I don't know why anymore, but I'm constantly shocked, wowed, and amazed when I behold how people that I know claim the name of Christ, claim that they're Christians, and then I, I watch how they live, how they talk, and so on. I'm just stunned. And I guess it's a lot like what Titus had to work with back in his day. Well, here's the plan. You know, Titus, thankfully, he didn't have to, and neither do we have to, come up with some plan. We've already got the plan. It's the same plan our Lord Jesus Christ used in his earthly ministry. Find a few good men who would be transformed into stone-cold leaders. Now in Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, 
we're going to see that God qualifies the called. There will be a call on the life of a man to be a pastor. But in that call comes the the qualifying that God puts into his life. Now, the easiest way to get to this is to make them. (laughs) That is to disciple them, to follow the pattern of Christ and the disciples. You remember that the Lord Jesus Christ, right now you're saying, oh yeah, 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 the 12 disciples, yeah. Well, actually, there were way more than 12. But out of all of those that followed Christ to varying degrees, there were, of course, the 12. And then among the 12, there were the three, Peter, James, and John. But let's just focus on that pattern of discipling the 12. That's the pattern that Titus would need to use and we need to use. It's the pattern of Jesus Christ with the disciples that he transformed into the apostles. One of those apostles was called as one born out of due time, is the way Paul described it, but he was called later when he met the risen Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. Paul was saved as a result of that experience. So Paul was one of those apostles. So right now, we're going to follow the branch of of this pattern that now goes through Paul. So Peter, James, and John, the other disciples were, they were discipling, uh, you know, men and groups of people that, that flowed from, sort of like, think of it as a tree, like a family tree. Well, we're going to follow Paul's right now. One of the people that Paul led to the Lord and brought into the ministry and discipled was this person, Titus, that he writes this letter to. Well, Titus is now left on the island of Crete after Paul evangelized it, and Titus's job is to appoint pastors who will then disciple the men in their churches, especially the fathers, because the fathers are going to disciple their families. And then you see, when you do this, you just wash, rinse, repeat until Jesus takes us home. Can I get an amen? I heard that. Amen. Now, what, what are they to do? And that's what we're going to see here in Titus chapter 1, especially in verses 5 through 9. These pastors, what they are and do and what they aren't and don't do. And that's just as important as what they are and do. Now I'm going to start in chapter 1 of Titus, but in verse 1, in case you missed last week's episode, this will kind of make this hang together for you. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, mine own son after the common faith, grace 
mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, if you want to understand those first four verses better, go back and listen to the episode previous to this one where you can, you can go through those verses with me. But let's look at verse 5. So Paul is writing this, and it's really the Lord Jesus Christ writing this through him, inspired. Paul is inspired by the Spirit of God, and he's writing it to Titus, giving him the instructions. So let's go to verse 5. For this cause left I thee in Crete. Now, by the way, Crete was the, is the fourth largest island in the Mediterranean. This is a major place. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. This Greek word for set in order means it's the same idea as to set a broken bone. That thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Now Paul here tells Titus that his job is to straighten out this mess of these, all these new believers and these new churches and we'll see in a moment that they're being led in some wrong directions by the wrong kind of leaders. But he's to, he's to get things straight. And he's to appoint. That's what this word here, ordain elders, means. Appoint elders, presbyters. That means uh, older men. And it carries with it the idea of the, the gravity of their character. They are real stone-cold leaders ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Now probably at this point, being a brand new area with new Christians and new churches, there probably was just one house church in every city. Or, or maybe by this time, maybe just a few. So one elder at least could handle the, the church, the house churches, the house church in his city. So it's a good start. Amen? Ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. And then obviously, as more and more people came to Christ, and there were more and more house churches, then this pattern would need to be repeated. Does that make sense to you? It should, because I've been over it about three times already. <laughs> For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Now, here's the qualifications. Now, verse 6. If any man be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop, and by the way, this is a different word here, is the word episkopos, to oversee like a shepherd watches over a flock. But notice it's the same people. The elder is a bishop. A bishop is an elder. It's not two different offices. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God. That is, he is a manager for God in God's house. He's not doing his own thing. 
For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed. That means he doesn't have to have his own way all the time. Not soon angry. This means that he doesn't have like a a chip on his shoulder down inside of his soul. That he's, he's always bitter and angry deep inside. And if you you accidentally, you know, brush him a little bit, the anger just comes out. So not soon angry, not given to wine. That is, in this culture, wine, uh, which was not like, you know, this, uh, I don't know a lot about liquor and stuff like that, but, you know, it's not that 80 proof or whatever that people drink that'll knock you out today. Much different back in that day. Nevertheless, if you drink too much of it, you could be turning your common sense over to the bottle. So not given to wine, no striker. That is, he's not somebody who settles arguments with his fist. Think of it like that. Not given to filthy lucre. Now, what, what does that mean, Pastor Ed? He's, he's not fond of sordid gain. Not, he's not one of those people that anything for a buck. Have you met people like that? Have you met, unfortunately, have you met preachers like that? Man, that's not right. So that he's not to be like that. But what is he to be? Well, verse 8, but a lover of hospitality. Back in that day, there were not really like nice hotels or places people could stay. There, there were inns, but uh, you're putting your life in your hands to stay in them. <laughs> but so often, people who traveled would be welcome into homes as they might go from city to city to stay with a family. So this was very common and it would be expected. It's still expected today in the Middle East. Uh, you may remember from uh, Lone Survivor that the reason that Marcus Luttrell survived in that movie about the Navy SEALs is because he came under the roof of one of the Pashtun tribesmen, and they had a rule. If somebody comes under your roof, you own them. You're responsible for them to take care of them. And that, to his credit, that man did and saved Marcus Luttrell's life. Well, that, that goes to that whole idea of a lover of hospitality. A lover of good men or, or good things, and good things will be attended to by good men, obviously. Sober, that is, he's serious. It's not wrong to have humor. I've made some bad jokes already in this, <laughs> But uh, I like to laugh, but you know what? There comes time when you just got to get down to brass tacks, right? Well, this person who will be a pastor must be like that. Man needs to be a just person, a holy person, a temperate or self-controlled person. Now, number nine is really important. The right type of people will not only have the right kind of character, the right kind of reputation, but they're going to actually do something that separates the men from the boys. Verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Now what is verse 9 telling us? Well, he is to really have a grasp of the word a true understanding of the Word of God. This is why a brand new believer in Christ will have a hard time being a pastor 
<coughs> excuse me, because he's not grown enough in the knowledge of the word. Well, a pastor has got to have a grip on the word of God. He has to have been disciple. Notice it says, as he hath been taught, someone is invested in him and teaching him the word of God that he may be able by sound doctrine, that's sound teaching, to do two things. What? That he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort, that is to encourage believers, and to convince the gainsayers, the people who would talk back against the word of God and against the Lord. He has to be able to do both. It's one thing to be able to teach believers. It's another to stand up to people who are creating trouble in a church. There's a great need today, my friends, for stone-cold leaders. If our churches are going to live counterculture, we've got to have more, not less, stone-cold leaders. Now, I want to point out some things, just like general things I noticed in what we just read. These are men. I apologize if I offend any of the ladies. Actually, I don't apologize. I'm preaching the Word of God. These are to be men, not women, men. They. How do I know that? Because, well, go back and look. Look at verse 5. Let me let the Word of God, uh, verse 6, explain this. If any be blameless, now watch this phrase, the husband of one wife. Now in that day, it was not uncommon for a husband to have several wives, but God says, hey, the pastors of a church need to have a wife, not two wives, not five. And notice it's the husband of one wife. It's not the wife of one husband. Hey, listen, either the word of God means what it says or it doesn't. These are to be men, preferably married men, and even more preferably married men who've had the experience of raising children who come to faith in Christ and they grow up loving the Lord and they're not accused of being just, you know, train wrecks. What a, what a damaging thing that is to the reputation of a, a pastor. Now, a pastor is not perfect, neither is his wife, nor are his children. But it's one thing to not be perfect, and it's another to live for the devil. <laughs> he is not to have a wife, nor certainly not have children that are living strong for the devil. They should be living for the Lord. So anyway, it's pretty obvious, unless you do some uh, pretty amazing, uh, uh, the uh, let's see, uh, word gymnastics, that's what I'm trying to say. It's pretty obvious, unless you do that, God calls men to pastor. Not even all men. It's a very few men who will, who will be qualified and called by God to pastor. Now, I'm going to give you a true story. Some of y'all have heard of K. Arthur, the founder of Precept Ministries based in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, the last that I knew of her, she was a very active member, her and Jack Arthur of Woodland Park Baptist Church, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. But before that, she had lived, I, I believe, in the Atlanta area, or at least traveled there. The reason I say that is she had a 
ministry before that called Reach Out with Kay. And it was a women's Bible study. And it met in the living room of Alice Kinzer in the Atlanta area. And God grew that thing from a women's Bible study in Alice Kinzer's living room to a global ministry. And uh, Kay and Jack, uh, like I say, the last I knew, were members of Woodland Park Baptist Church. And men began to want to be uh, instructed by Kay in preset ministries. Kay went to her pastor, Wayne Barber, who I know he's with the Lord now, a great man of God, went to him and the elders at Woodland Park Baptist Church and said, hey, I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to be perceived that way. I don't want to be a preacher. I'm operating under the the, uh, leadership of my husband, Jack, and I'm under the leadership of the elders of this church. So you know what they did when men wanted to be instructed by Kay? Is that Wayne Barber got drafted. Wayne Barber started doing the precept ministries Bible study for men. Do you see what I'm saying? Kay did still doing everything God called her to do, but it wasn't to be a pastorette. Let that sink in. Completely under her husband's authority, scripturally, and scripturally under the authority of the leadership of the elder body at Woodland Park Baptist Church. So if this bothers you, the idea that God is not calling women to be pastors of churches, get over it and just get biblical already. It's men. Deal with it. Now, these men are to be well-tested. They're to be well-respected. They're to be well-grounded in the Word and fearless in leading. Like John MacArthur out in in uh, California, who finally, we knew it would all come to this, and I figured it would be John MacArthur that would do it, but he drew a line in the sand for the government in California and his, uh, his local community saying, hey, we, we tried to go along with this when it was a pandemic. We didn't know what it was going to be. People might be dying in the streets. We get it. We want to do the right thing by our church and our community. But obviously, that's not what's happening. And yet, the churches are still locked down. This is wrong. And so John MacArthur said, hey, we're, do what you want. We must obey God, not man. Amen. And if you're a pastor and you're listening, you need to find out what God wants you to do in the same way where you are. Because God is greater than government. Period. We need stone-cold leaders today in our churches. Somebody, I think, asked John MacArthur, well, what's going to happen, you know, if we get in trouble? And he said, well, the first hill we come to, we'll die on. I like that. Now, let's continue in Titus 1, 10 through 16. Here's why... Titus had to get this thing organized and straightened out the churches and the leadership on this island of Crete. Here's why. This is what bothered Paul, and this is why the Lord Jesus Christ inspired Paul to write this letter to Titus. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. Now, I don't have time to explain all of that. Trust me, 
These were the, the synagogues on the island of Crete. These were the Jewish believers who rejected Jesus Christ. The rabbis probably mostly that rejected Christ. I'm sure many of the Jewish people there trusted Christ as their Messiah. Probably some of the rabbis came out of the synagogues and began to follow Christ in the churches. But the problem was this. Not only were, were the churches being opposed, I'm sure, by the synagogues that were already there that had rejected Jesus when they heard about him, when Paul was there preaching Jesus, but there was a, a mixture within these new believers of, of Jewish believers and Jewish synagogue leadership, most likely. That's what I'm thinking. And they kept looking back way too much to what the other rabbis had taught them over the years from their rabbinic traditions instead of what the Bible says. Now that's the problem. So this started creating a lot of confusion. And there were opportunists, no doubt, as we're going to see, who wormed their way in to take advantage of these new believers. Say, why would that happen, Brother Ed? Satan, dude. Don't you get it? We're in a battle. This is a war. Satan's not going to let an entire island, the fourth largest in the Mediterranean Sea, come to Christ without trying to mess it up. All right, so let's read that again. Titus 1, starting in verse 10. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. That's that sordid gain that you saw that the pastors were not to be uh, uh, characterized by. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. Now he's quoting one of their own prophets. And in verse 13, I love this. He says, this witness is true. <laughs> Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables, and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Now, lest you think, by the way, that Paul was anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic, Paul was Jewish. What are you talking about? But he believed in Messiah Jesus. Verse 15, Under the pure, all things are pure. But under them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. Man, what in the world? <laughs> By the way, verse 12, I think these churches were in southern Crete. Why do you say that, Pastor Ed? Well, <laughs> go back and read verse 12. It says there, one of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, the Christians are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. Because I know that's how a lot of you folks outside the South look at us 
If you live in other parts of the country or around the world, you think if we live in the South that there's banjo music playing in the background 24 hours a day, that we're just a bunch of goobers that have two first names. And I'll tell you one thing about us, though. We don't allow our cities and towns to be burned down. That's right. We don't. (laughs) But when you listen to that description given in verse 12, I'm reminded of the 1960s comedian Norm Crosby. If you don't know who that is, you're in for a treat. YouTube him. 1960s comedian Norm Crosby. As he would say, I resemble that fact. (laughs) All right, maybe we deserve our reputation. But anyway, the the people in in Crete, Paul said, hey, they're on... Prophets tell what a lousy bunch of folks they are. <laughs> That's what he's saying here. And he said, this is true. Everybody knows it, right? So, hey, would you agree with me that Titus had his hands full? Absolutely. So he, he not only had to work with new Christians, new members of these brand new churches, but even the so-called leadership that was there was taking them off the right path. And Paul said, this has got to be fixed. Like a bone that's broken, it's got to be set. Get this in order by appointing pastors over these churches. And I think you'll agree with me that these pastors could not be a bunch of Casper Milktoes, pajama boy types. That were, that were all about being seeker-friendly, you know, and all that stuff. These had to be men who were men that knew what the truth of the Word of God was and would stand up. That's what was needed. They were to protect and pastor the churches in Crete. And Titus now has to quickly put in place in each city pastors stone-cold leaders to start herding cats and confronting wolves because these wolves must be stopped. Now listen, I pastored churches for 30 years. Trust me when I say that sometimes it felt like herding cats and confronting wolves. And that's what was going on in Crete. And I'm sad to say, I think too much of that has already gone on in the churches in in the West and in Western civilization and in America. And we are in bad shape. And we need stone-cold leaders to lead our churches. Now, speaking of stop, I'm going to stop right here. Some of you, and this is the miracle that only God can do, Some of you listening right now, although I've not been talking about you need to come to Christ or trying to get you to give your your life to Jesus Christ, to believe on Him like these people on Crete did, although I haven't been talking about that, that's not been my main point. The miracle of all of this is there's some of you listening right now that are saying, but that's all I've been hearing since you've been talking. I need Jesus. Praise God. If you're at a point where you know that you need to have Jesus Christ save you, that He he died on the cross for your sins, He rose again bodily, literally, physically 
on the third day from the grave, victorious over death. He ascended later back to heaven and He's coming again. If you want that Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, then you can bow your head and your heart right here and right now. Confess that you are a sinner and that you sin. Confess that. Turn from your sin to a Savior, Jesus Christ. Confess Him with your mouth. Believe on Him in your heart. Follow Him in believer's baptism. That's where you are right now. Maybe you're literally asking Him to save you right now. Wonderful. You may need to understand better what's going on. Or there may be those listening that you're not right at that point yet, but you want to know more. Because you've never heard truth delivered hot from the kitchen like this. All right, listen, I'm going to give you a phone number. I'm going to say it twice. It's free to call. 888-537-8720. Call that number and you can get information and help about becoming a Christian and beginning to live your new Christian life. Well, I'm so happy that you joined us today. Many of you who are listening are already Christians. I hope in your cases that you have been just encouraged and that you are, you are pumped up and you are ready to live more for the Lord today than you were before you listened to this podcast. And that you are ready to to do whatever it takes to obey God rather than men. God will give you wisdom and insight. He will guide you and He will help you. Stand for Jesus. Thank you for listening. Please share this with your network. Text this to people. Put it on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. I don't care where you put it. Put this out. Invite people to listen to This Week in the Word at dredhill.podbean.com. Thanks for listening. God bless you is my prayer. I look forward to preaching again next week.